Now, birdsong, fun, and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you for another week on the radio. Got some stories and news for you. Little humor with some dumb criminal stories and uh, some riddles. And I think you'll like the show. I also have a guest who's going to talk to us about staging. We'll find out about it when we get to her. But let's start with some stories in the news that I want to talk about. <clears throat> news that African American listeners might want to know about if they haven't heard them. The first two stories fall into the category of white women acting badly. I don't know if you remember about three years ago, almost three years ago, when uh, President Trump was elected in November of 2016. There was a woman who said that she wants to see Melania Trump as the first lady because she's tired of seeing Michelle Obama, that ape in heels, in the White House. Well, things come around. She had, was suspended from her job back then. Here's a new story about her that I just found. A West Virginia woman who pleaded guilty earlier this past week to defrauding the Federal Emergency Management Agency is the same woman who was fired from a West Virginia County Development Agency three years ago after making a racist Facebook post about then First Lady Michelle Obama. Her name, Pamela Taylor. Pamela Taylor. She admitted in open court that she took more than $18,000 in flood relief benefits. She falsely registered for FEMA benefits after a set of floods in June 2016 that killed more than 20 West Virginians. Ms. Taylor claimed that her primary re residence had been damaged in the flood and that she was staying in a rental property. Unfortunately, it was revealed that her primary home was undamaged and she was still staying there, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. In her plea deal, Ms. Taylor agreed to pay restitution of $18,141, nope, $18,149.04. She also faces up to 30 years in prison and a fine of up to $500,000 when she's sentenced in May. Taylor was infamously suspended from her first job as director of the Clay County Development Corporation after she posted on Facebook in November 16, quote, It will be so refreshing to have a classy, beautiful, dignified first lady back in the White House. I'm tired of seeing an ape. In heels. Yeah, right. Melania Trump. Classy, beautiful, dignified, can't speak English very well, first lady in the White House. Well, Miss Taylor, what goes around sometimes comes around. You're going to be going to the big house. I don't know that you've ever had any other criminal matters or convictions. I think that the 30 year, the 20 year sentence will not come along. Probably you will be in jail in the federal system for about 24 to 36 months, and I'm not sure that they will fine you. 
I know this because I used to be a lawyer who represented people in these kinds of cases. Yep, it'll be so refreshing to have a classy, beautiful, dignified first lady back in the White House. I'm tired of seeing an ape in heels, referring to Michelle Obama. Miss Taylor, I hope you enjoy your time in the big house. <laughs> You're probably going to be sent to Alderson. That's where they send women. Alderson is in West Virginia, and there's a women's prison there. I hope you enjoy your stay. So that was the first story about white women acting badly. Here's the second one. A white woman in DeLand, Florida, was arrested and naturally unhappy about being placed under arrest. But what really upset her was the fact she was being arrested by a black sheriff's deputy. The woman was caught on tape going on a racist and violent rant against the sheriff's deputy. Volusia County Sheriff Deputy Brandon King was responding to a report of a disturbance at a home and upon arrival saw 53-year-old Julie Edwards trying to leave the property in her car. King smelled alcohol on her breath and noticed she was slurring and walking unsteadily. Mr. Edwards, or Miss Edwards rather, reportedly refused to take a breathalyzer test or to submit to a field sobriety test. Once Sheriff Deputy King put handcuffs on her, she walked away from him and put up a fight as he tried to put her in his police cruiser. Once King got her into the vehicle, Edwards went on a racist rank telling Officer King, my KKK people will find you. I guess that means Ku Klux Klan people. My KKK people will find you. She also went on to say, they know people like you. He ain't, hey, ain't a damn thing wrong with burning a cross in your yard, is there? She then added, you effing with the wrong white people. Effort Edwards, Miss Edwards also told Officer King that N-word people should never have been let out of slavery. She went on further to threaten him by saying, quote, eyes will be poked out. And the KKK got your ass, boy. Further, my KK friends will burn your family, Edwards said. You should never be here in the first place. You ever been whipped on a whipping post? Well, the police report clearly says Deputy King is of African-American descent and knows the history behind the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK. And he knows of the pain and torture they've caused and still calls to African-Americans sometimes today. However, King was praised by Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood for his calm response to all the racist garbage this Ku Klux Klan enthusiast could throw at him. Maybe when she sobers up and gets out of jail, she'll feel some contrition, you know, Liquor makes people do some strange things and say some strange things. Also, I think that our president has whipped up people who would never do this or say this to feel that they are now allowed to say it because of who we have in the White House. So that's enough on white women acting badly. All of you have heard of karma. Karma is a force in the universe. 
karma is something that perhaps comes back to you after you've done something. You do something good for people, karma sometimes comes back and does something good for you. Sometimes when you do something bad, karma comes back and bites you for doing that. Here's a story that I've come across about a man who may have been bitten by karma. Karma, karma that is. His name is Stephen Martin. He had heard all the arguments defending NFL players who protested against social injustice and police brutality. He even understood them to an extent. But Martin, who owns a sports merchandise store in Colorado Springs called Primetime Sports, couldn't wrap his head around players kneeling during the national anthem. So he threw himself into the debate. Three years ago, he uh, canceled an autograph signing with Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall after Marshall joined the ranks of protesting NFL players. Around the same time, he asked customers and Facebook friends and friends of Facebook friends to send him photographs of active duty members of the military or veterans. He then taped their pictures on the floor to ceiling windows in front of his store. There were more than 4,000 images. After Nike made quarterback Colin Kaepernick the face of a prominent ad campaign last year, Mr. Martin stopped selling the company's merchandise. That's a radical step for a sports store in a mall. Now his store, Primetime Sports, is closing. Martin announced a couple of Mondays ago that he's a victim both of the culture wars surrounding the Kaepernick debate and the broader pains afflicting brick-and-mortar retailers. Without embroiling itself in controversy, the mall that houses Martin's store is struggling also. The Sears is closing down, and a Dick Sporting's Goods pulls away some of his business. But the national headlines arrived this week, or past week, that Kaepernick, and because of the store owner who wanted to fight back against protesting players, wound up out of business. Being a sports store without Nike is like being a gas station without gas, Stephen Martin joked in a phone interview. His final crisis was precipitated when Nike threw its support behind Kaepernick ahead of the 2018 NFL season with the rallying cry, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing anything. Martin had already been a local critic of the player protest during the national anthem, but the ad campaign made him inflamed with anger. He came to the store the next day after hearing that, and put all his Nike merchandise up at half price. He vowed he'd never order from Nike again. But making a proclamation like that hurt his business. Nike is NFL's official apparel sponsor, and going without its products and selling the remaining ones at a steep discount meant no more NFL jerseys or T-shirts or hoodies in his shop. It meant significantly less merchandise on the shelves from the, some of the nation's most popular college teams also. As a matter of fact, the discount on Nike merchandise had his store 
$320,000 of stock at the time, sold at half price, put him on a financial spiral. Once he got through this past January, the writing was on the wall. The business couldn't last. Time, prime time sports is closing. Right now, all its merchandise is 40% off. Martin still says he wants to honor the flag and Nike, Nike, and to uh, boycott Nike, but now it's time for him to liquidate. So karma sort of came back to him. We know that President Trump weighed in on the NFL players saying if they took a knee during the national anthem, they should be thrown out of the game, thrown out the field, that they shouldn't be allowed to play in the NFL. Well, a lot of people liked what Colin Kaepernick did, Kaepernick rather did, and he had filed a suit against the NFL. With a public hearing looming and the threat of owners and league officials facing depositions, the NFL settled collusion cases brought by Mr. Kaepernick and another player, Eric Reed, who had kneeled during the singing of the national anthem. The league and Kaepernick's lawyer sent out statements this past Friday saying that, quote, the parties have decided to resolve the pending grievances and that a confidentially agreement would prevent either side from commenting further. Now, it remains clear if the NFL admitted wrongdoing or how much money Reed and Kaepernick or others may have received. Considering the lost salary both players claimed and legal costs, the settlement could have climbed into the tens of millions of dollars. People who know about these kinds of suits, and one of them is Mark Garagos, Garagos rather, who is the lawyer for Kaepernick, can't say how much money he got, but others who know this kind of um, field believe that Kaepernick got between 60 to $80 million in lost wages and salary. Now, Kaepernick and Reed both filed collusion grievances against the lead, saying they were blacklisted because of protests during the national anthem at games. As most of us know, Kaepernick has not played in the league since 2016. He took his team to the Super Bowl in 2014. It's just a shame. Kaepernick filed his grievance in August 2017. An arbitrator, Stephen Burbank, sent it to trial, denying the league's request to throw out the former quarterback's claims. Mr. Burbank's decision that there was enough was decision was that there was enough evidence of collusion to keep the grievance going at trial. A wave of protests by NFL players began in 2016 after Kaepernick kneeled during the national anthem to call attention to what? Police brutality and racial inequality. The protests grew into one of the most polarizing issues in sports, with President Donald Trump loudly urging the league to suspend or fire players who demonstrate during the Star Spangled Banner. While he's been away from playing, Kaepernick has become an advocate for battling social and racial injustice. Officials with the Players Union said that they just learned of the settlement and they had no de no details. 
But again, this is information <laughs> that Stephen Martin probably feels even worse about. Kaepernick is getting between 60 and $80 million in back salary or lost wages, and his store is going out of business. Just so you know, Mr. Martin was in business for 21 years in his primetime sports company. That's all kaput now. Kaput means it's broken. All right, another story I want to give you here. The headline caught my attention. Maybe some of you may have heard it. Maybe you have not. The headline. Bill Cosby's lawyer says comedian thinks prison life is an amazing experience. <laughs> Bill Cosby's spokesman is a fellow by the name of Andrew Wyatt, and he said in a recent TV interview that the former TV star has described his time in prison as an amazing experience. I guess so. Mr. Wyatt, Cosby's lawyer and longtime aide, dished with Philadelphia TV station WCAU about the convicted sex offender who's now spent spending three to ten years inside a maximum security prison in Pennsylvania. Quote, despite the circumstances, White said, this is an amazing experience. That's what Mr. White said. Mr. Mr. Cosby has prepared himself. He's mentally strong. He's just a strong man. Mr. White added that Cosby has lost weight and he's not eating bread or drinking coffee. What's funny about that, Mrs. Crosby, or Cosby rather, has been trying to stop him from drinking coffee for 55 years. And he said it took this to stop him from drinking coffee, Wyatt said. He also shared how his client washes his meals before eating them and wakes up at 3.30 a.m. to exercise in his cell. The 81-year-old comic legend is serving up to 10 years at the Psy Phoenix for allegedly drugging and sexually, assault, and sexually assaulting Andrea Constad in 2004. When I visit him, it's nothing sad about it, Wyatt said. He's not sad. He's not, reforced, he's not remorseful because he said he did nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, Mr. Cosby believes his attempts to highlight equality on television led to his prison sentence. In his first message from behind bars, Cosby told NBC that he is a victim of entrapment carried out by a low-life district attorney and a corrupt judge. <laughs> well, maybe so, but he's in the slammer now. Took a while, but that's what he's saying from jail. He's really strong. This is Leonard Birdsong. That's some of the news I wanted to tell you this week, some news that the African-American community might want to know about if you haven't heard it. I'm glad that I can bring it to you. Now, we've got a guest coming up, and she's going to tell us about the secret sauce of staging. You'll find out more about that. I'm going to take a break now. Stick with us. There's more to come. Hello, folks. Birdsong back with you. I told you I had a guest coming on. It's Dr. Marlena Ulrich. I came across her because I saw a headline online 
saying, get an extra $20,000 when selling your home. Homeowners hoping for a more profitable wintertime home sale need the advice of real estate expert Dr. Marlena Urich. She's the author of The Secret Sauce of Staging. Whether she's talking about staging homes with lovely yet inexpensive accessories or placing furniture to make small spaces roomier, Dr. Marlena will be a hit with sellers and house hunters and real estate professionals. So happy to have you on, Doctor. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Listen to these words. Declutter. Clean. Organize. Repair. Create a focal point. Do these strike any chords with you? Oh, yes. Those are points that I uh, I illustrated in my book, The Secret Sauce of Staging, as like um, the five things uh, that really need to be done uh, when uh, – Getting your home ready for the real estate market. Well, tell us more about these kinds of things. Now, declutter is a hot topic in the news today, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. And um, I think one of the things that, that has uh, caught a lot of people's interest, too, is, is the book um, uh, that uh, Marie uh, Kondo wrote about um, tidying as a kind of an art form and, and uh, a way to kind of declutter. And so a lot of people are looking at, at different uh, ways that will help them kind of get rid of their clutter. And uh, so that, that's, offered, that's been offered as, as one, one kind of um, a strategy. And, uh, you know, I, I found out, too, that in the L.A. Times, they, quote, they quoted that there are over 300,000 items in the average American home. How many? 300,000. Oh is that God. amazing? Is that amazing? A, it is amazing. My God. I know. So it's like, you know, no wonder people are sometimes feeling overwhelmed and they just don't know where to start. And they look around and they see piles of paper and, you know, piles of off, you know, that they've used in the past, but maybe they're not using now. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that that we're looking at is like, you know, getting a handle on on um, the amount of clutter or just things that are just laying around. And uh, sometimes we just get used to seeing them and, and we don't realize, you know, how much space they actually occupy um, in our home and just kind of in our just general presence. So uh, decluttering is, is really, really important. Yeah, okay. So how did you get around, how did you get around to getting uh, learning about this? Well, you know, um, I have to say, I have to admit, actually, <laughs> that I am a recovering clutter queen. <laughs> so I say that some of this uh, experience and knowledge I, I came came by righteously. Um, back in the day, um, I just had no time, no energy for for keeping things organized. At least I didn't think that I did. And uh, I was I'm thinking especially about a time when I was a single parent, two young kids, working full time, going to school. I mean, life was pretty intense. And yeah. I just learned that putting things uh, in piles, you know, like all around the house. Right. And I actually would find paper bags, like brown paper bags back in the day when they had grocery bags. 
And um, that's how that was how I just dealt with it. I just put everything in, in paper bags. And uh, so my kids have great memories of those times. And it wasn't until I just in one day I just I just got fed up with everything. And uh, I, I remember one time in particular just trying to find my car keys. And, you know, it was like back then my thinking was, oh, you know, I'll just I'll just set them here. And then in the morning, I'll remember where I set them. Right. Well, that didn't always happen. So I found myself <laughs> wait, <laughs> wasting a lot of time and energy trying to find the car keys, you know, every day. And I just, after a while, I just stepped back, took a look at my pattern that I had created here and going, you know, this doesn't work for me anymore. It's too stressful. So <laughs> <laughs> I finally got the idea, you know, if I put my car keys in the same place at the same time every day, they will always be there. You're absolutely so, right. And, you know, years uh, yeah. ago, I came to that same conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's pretty pathetic that it takes us a while sometimes to kind of catch on to our own habits, you know. But I, I just, I just, it was a shift in my thinking that really got me to to reconsider how I was doing things. And so I just wanted to offer that up to to your listeners. It's like, you know, if you're not happy with how how things are happening, you look around, you see piles of stuff on the floor, on your countertop or whatever, you know, take a look and just and stop for a moment to see, you know, what 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 decisions did you make to like, you know, just kind of do that? And what new decisions can you make to help yourself create some new habits? Yeah, well, you come up, you come up with some words like purge, purge, purge. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that is so critical, and um, you know, it's just, and and there's like a lots of ways that you can do that, especially like a, if you have a home office or something like that. You know, well, I don't know about you, but I get inundated with um, papers, magazines, newspaper. I mean, everything. So, you know, taking a look at what we call like non-sensitive papers, those are ones that you never use, like the phone book, if you ever get phone book or junk mail, you know, yeah. maybe coupons, things like that. All this stuff, you know, really needs to be considered like we're getting rid of. So we call those like non-sensitive papers. Those are, those are things that like warranties, catalogs, magaz- old magazines, that kind of thing. So taking a look at your clutter and deciding, you know, what what is it that you can get rid of, like something like non-sensitive papers. And then there's a sensitive kind of stuff like financial statements. But now, you know, so much of everything is online. We can really take a look at what, you know, what do we really need to keep. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, just going through um, not only papers, but all of us, I'm sure, have a junk drawer, at least one. Oh, yeah. I got about three of them, doctor. <laughs> exactly. I, and you know what it's like when you open up that junk drawer, you go like, oh, you know, I, know I know it's in here someplace. <laughs> That's right. That's just what yeah. it is. It is what it is. So, you know, until I guess you reach a point of uh, dissatisfaction or a uh, level of stressfulness, you know, do you finally make a decision to do something differently? So in my book, The Secret Sauce of Staging, you know, I recommend that people start small, you know, with the, this whole purging process. And it could be starting with the junk drawer, one junk drawer, you know, 
in particular and just taking a look at it. I did that just recently. I must have had about 20 uh, ballpoint pens in my junk drawer at mm. one time. Right. You know, things that I picked up at conferences or meetings or whatever. And it's like, you know what? I, I don't need these. So for me, what was great was to go through and pull out the things I didn't need and then actually donate those. So, for right. instance, I was able to, like, you know, take some of those things to Goodwill and Salvation Army or, you know, whatever favorite charity you might have, and you know, or even a school, like some, you know, like binders and things that you're not using and, and uh, you know, things that, that other people could use. You know, it's just so helpful. And, um, you know, I, I did that. I, I found out I had, like, about 25 different uh, water bottles, you know, from different different events, different meetings, different races that I've done. And it's like, I, I don't need this. I was just taking up all the room. So yeah. it's just, you know. You, so you only just, need one or two, not 25. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, I was at a point where I felt thrilled that I could, you know, just be, make a decision that I don't need all those, that they were just sitting there on in my kitchen uh, cabinet taking up all this room, and that I could actually bundle them up, put them in a bag, and give them to other people that could use them. So to me, that was like, it just felt it just felt great that I, I freed up space and got what I needed and was able to share with others. Well, listen, so, I want to tell the listeners that you did send me a copy of your book and you even autographed it. Thank you very much. It was a nice little read. I'm still trying to figure out, you are a professional at it. Why do you say the secret sauce of staging? I mean, do you have to have a certain eye? Did you study Fang Shui, that Chinese thing about, you know, how things line up and all of that? Can everyone yeah. do this? Yeah, actually, you know, my love for, my love for, well, I guess what we call now staging you know, um, I say started when I was like four years old, you know, <laughs> it was like I loved working, moving things around in my own dollhouse when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> so, so I was born to be a stager, right? I mean, and at any rate, um, yeah, you know, and I'm, in talking to other stagers, um, we all seem to have a couple of things in common. One is we can walk into a room and just realize that, you know, we just start rearranging things in our mind. You know, it's like, oh, that paint doesn't belong there or that sofa needs to go over here or, or whatever. It's just kind of an automatic reflex almost. And so, um, you know, just with the staging, it was um, something that I always loved doing in my home. And people would come over and say, oh, this place looks great. It looks like a model home and, you know, like all of that. Will you come help me with my home and that thing, that kind of thing. And so I was able to help friends and family, which was very cool. because it it's such a satisfying feeling to create something, you know, beautiful. And so... I decided, you know, this is really interesting and I really love it. And so I wound up taking interior design classes uh, through the adult school and our local community college. And I did take several courses uh, regarding feng shui because I was really intrigued with it. And yeah. uh, I figured, you know, I'm just I'm going to give it everything I can and put it all together. And uh, since then, I've, I've just um, staged 
many, many homes for the real estate market. I've actually helped redesign uh, professional offices, you know, using some of the principles of feng shui. And, you know, so it's just um, it's a way to kind of bring a lot of skills and talents together, especially when you love, you know, art and beauty and, you know, uh, just different accessories and things that you know will just make a home sparkle. I want to tell the listeners, too, that the book that you have, The Secret Sauce of Staging, has some before and after photographs that are very good. I uh, yeah. hope the, I hope the book is selling well. I got mine free. I just had to tell the listeners that, but it's a good read. Do you also have a website, Doctor? I do. I do. My website is really easy. It's called amazing-staging.com. Okay. Amazing-staging.com. Okay, that is easy. That is easy. And the name of my business is Amazing Staging by Marlena. So um, people can go to my website, and they can actually order the book off of my website. And there's also a freebie for anybody that goes to my website and wants to find out and get a checklist for the five easy steps for a dramatic room makeover. So that's my special gift to your listeners. Again, if they go to amazing, amazing-staging.com, uh, they will... Um, Enter their name and email address, and they will automatically get a free checklist. All and right. They'll also, they'll also see those pictures, the before and after pictures that you were talking about. Right. So, yeah. Well, let me just also say before I have to go, uh, for 15 years, you served as the executive director of a nonprofit organization you started called the Kids Breakfast Club. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yes, yes. Um the Kids Breakfast Club was started um, actually back in 1992 was our first official um, beginning. Uh, prior prior to that, I um, you know as an well, let me back up just a little bit because okay. people people might want to know well why am I a doctor and why am I doing staging what is that how is this all tied together? <laughs> At any rate, my my doctorate degree is in educational leadership. And okay. um, I've, I have always um, been passionate about the quality of life for children and families. And my whole life has been all about education and working with teachers and teachers from around the world. I mean, I've just had an incredible career as an educator. And um, now I'm not only a home stager, but also a real estate agent. Because I figured that's another extension for improving the quality of life for kids and families. But um, way back in nineteen in the nineteen nineties, you know, I was living um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, East Bay in particular, and Hayward, and the city of Hayward. And I was also teaching uh, early childhood education at my local community college. And I was at the same time taking a leadership training program that the community offered. And it wasn't until I heard one of the speakers at one of our trainings for this leadership program that um, I, I had, up until then I hadn't realized that there was a problem with childhood hunger. Hmm. And, you know, even though I'd been an educator and everything, I, I never thought about what happens to kids when school's not in session. Sometimes Especially, they don't eat. Exactly. 
And, you know, I had a chance to see that with my own two eyes. I had one of those aha moments um, when I saw children in, in, in Hayward standing in line at a soup kitchen. Mm. And this, this, uh, this happened to be at a drug alcohol rehab center in Hayward. When I asked the director, well, why are these children here by themselves? Why are they standing here in, in this line? And she said, you know what? They don't have any other place to go. They know they can get something here to eat. Isn't and so it was, yeah, it was like in that moment, it was like, oh, my God, somebody's got to do something about this. And I never, ever thought that I would be that person. And, and it's lasted now for 25 years, hasn't it? Exactly. It's actually about going 26 now, and um, it's been amazing um, how it has grown. And we, we have served over a million um, meals to children since then. And I, even though I am not the executive director at this time, that I was able to pass the torch to another person who's actually um, been a resident uh, was born and raised in Hayward, and and he has carried the passion for, for you know providing for kids, and so that's been amazing to have that legacy continue. So, All right, well, listen, Doctor, thank you so much for being on, um, and God bless you for the work you have done. This is Birdsong. I'm going to have to move on now, but. I enjoyed your book. I hope that you've gotten something over to some of our listeners, some particularly people who are ready to sell their home. Declutter. <laughs> That's where you start. All right. Amazing-staging. Is that dot com? Is that your yes, it is. website? Yes, it is. All right. Website. People can go to that. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Marlene. Thank you Urich. so okay. much. Thank you, Dr. Enjoyed speaking with you. All right, folks, this is Birdsong. We've just been visiting with Dr. Marlena Urich about her ideas on staging your home for selling it maybe easier, getting a little more money. I have more for you. Stick with us. Hello, folks. Birdsong back with you. Happy to be here on the radio with you. Told you some news. Had a guest. Now we're going to do some dumb criminal law stories. Got some stories that I worked on from last fall. These stories come from September of 2018. The first story is out of Austria. The headline, Hello, Dolly. Firefighters in the state of Steyr, Australia, I'm sorry, Austria, were called in to rescue what witnesses thought was the body of a hot-looking woman floating beneath a bridge. It turned out that the corpse was full of hot air. Why? Well, the floater was a partially inflated sex doll. (laughs) Hello, Dolly. (laughs) Now a story from Australia. He put the speed near the crack, read the headline. He put the speed near the crack, read the headline. A drug smuggler was arrested with nearly $1 million in crystal meth stuffed where? In his underwear at an airport. The 32-year-old man had just flown from Sydney to Hobart 
when police dogs sniffed out the junk in his trunk that weighed more than two pounds, according to drug authorities. He is now behind bars. <laughs> a story from California. The headline says, Why a potato? It's been reported that a man has been convicted of burglary for breaking into a house and threatening to hit a woman with a potato that had her first initial carved into it. Police collared William Best, 41 years old, in mid-September 2018. Best told police he used the potato to increase his punching power. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here's a story from Canada. Headline. Waitress says her boss is a boob for forcing her to wear a bra. Christina Shell of British Columbia is suing the Osoyos Golf Club, alleging she was fired for refusing to comply with the sexist dress code. That is, women working at the club's restaurant are required to wear a tank top or bra under their uniform, which she called a human rights violation. She's now looking for another job. <laughs> her boss was a boob for forcing her to wear a bra on the job. All right, here's a story from China. Headline, Taking the Plunge. We learned that a passenger standing on a public bus in the town of Huan City, China, steadied herself by pulling out a toilet plunger and sticking it to the ceiling. Video shows the clever strap hanger boarding the bus and casually whipping out of the makeshift handle. Smart. <laughs> What's the price of feeding birds? Well, this is another story from China. A motorist was caught on traffic cameras releasing 60 pigeons on a highway in Jilim province. He told police he wanted the birds to experience freedom. However, police fined him $29 for a traffic violation. Another story from China. Rice grain torture, says the headline. Rice grain torture. A teacher in Foshan, China, told her fifth grade students to count 100 million grains of rice for homework. And very mad parents say it was torture. The math teacher said the assignment was supposed to encourage the children to problem solve. She hoped that they would count out 100 grains of rice and then multiply them based on the weight. Ten of her 40 students completed the assignment. Only ten of the 40 students figured it out. Rice grain torture. Here's a story from Florida you may have heard. Jokiro English Lessons read the headline. Taco Bell recently fired a South Florida employee for refusing to take an order from a customer who did not speak Spanish, according to the Miami Herald. Quote, this is Hialeah, the worker reported, said in Spanish. This is Hialeah, the worker reported in Spanish, apparently referring to the city's large Spanish-speaking population. However... They need to be able to speak English for people who don't speak Spanish. Joe Quiro, English lessons. You need English lessons. My final story. No, it's not the final story. I got two more. Story from Florida. Headline. Stoned man nearly dies from the munchies. That's the headline. 
It's been reported that when firefighters arrived at Gregory Cunningham's smoke-filled Niceville home, they found him naked, drunk, and stoned, and oblivious to the danger he was in. They made Cunningham, 53 years old, evacuate while putting out a fire caused by cookies he forgot he was baking on his George Foreman grill, authorities said. <laughs> Stone man nearly dies from the munchies. <laughs> All right, final story. Another one from Florida. They call it buff luck. They call it buff luck. We learn uh, that South Florida residents have complained about neighbors doing outdoor chores in the nude. Residents in the town of Stewart, Florida, complained about their neighbors gardening, putting out trash, and working on their cars without clothes. The Mountain, I'm sorry, the Martin County Sheriff's Department told neighbors they can do nothing about the display of privates on private property. In other words, buff luck. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Are you ready for some riddles? Well, I've got a couple of them here today. Not a lot. What do ghosts serve for dessert? What do ghosts serve for dessert? I'll come back and tell you the answers to these at the end of the show. Second riddle. Where was the U.S. Constitution signed? Where was the United States Constitution signed? And finally, what do you say when a clown opens the door for you? What do you say when a clown opens the door for you? <laughs> Those are not that hard, but I'm going to come back at the end and I'm going to tell you the answers if you haven't figured them out. This is Birdsong, having a little fun with you. Stick with us. There's more to come. Okay, folks, coming to the end of the program today. This is Birdsong. I've enjoyed being here with you. I have a short Paul Harvey story for you told you his last book is called For What It's Worth, and people sent Paul Harvey stories that they wanted him to read on the air. This story is told to Paul Harvey some time ago, and it says that Alan Michael is running for president. Alan Michael, 66, of Stockton, California, might be the man you're looking for. Why? He has all the answers to inflation, unemployment, environment, health care, and war. Mr. Michael says he got the answers how? Well, he got them when he was beamed aboard, beamed aboard a flying saucer in 1947. <laughs> he has all the answers, all right. <laughs> All right, what about the answers to those riddles? The first riddle here, what do ghosts serve for dessert? What do ghosts serve for dessert? They serve ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. Second one, where was the U.S. Constitution signed? Well, it was signed at the bottom. You know that. <laughs> 
And finally, my thought of the week. Here's that thought. There are three things to leave behind. Your photographs, your library, and your personal journals. These things are certainly going to be more valuable to future generations than your furniture. This is Birdsong signing off. Have a good week, folks.